My name is Jeremiah. I am a prophet to Israel. God called me to preach to the nation of Israel in some of the most troubling times. As a matter of fact, I was just but a youth when God appeared to me and let me know that he wanted me to preach. He said at that time, he said, Jeremiah, did you know that while you were still in your mother's womb, that I had touched you and I anointed you and I ordained you to preach to my people? And I said, God, I can't do it. I'm, I'm a young person and you know, there's all this crowd of mature elderly people and you know they know the Torah and they understand the law and they uh, grasp the, the books of Moses and, and and Lord I can't see myself going and proclaiming a message to them and God rebuked me and God said Jeremiah I've called you to preach don't try to get out of it this is what I have ordained you to do and I guess as some type of confirmation God reached out his hand and he touched me. And when, when the Lord touched me, something happened that I can't explain. It was this warm feeling that just began to come over me. As a matter of fact, it was, it was almost like, like a fire that was shut up in my bones. And I had this strong urge to just go and start proclaiming the word of God. And as I began to proclaim the word of God, God told me something very unique. And I, I never understood. I guess maybe later on in my ministry I understood. But at the time I had no idea why he told me this. He told me not to take a wife. Now you have to imagine that that is the heart of a young man growing up in the nation of Israel, you know, we look forward to getting married and having children to see our offspring carried on. And But God told me not to take a wife. And, and, and I really struggled with that to a, a deep degree. As I began to preach, <laughs> there were two things that were associated with my ministry. As a matter of fact, they, they kind of put a label on me. Can you believe it? They put a label on me. And, and one of the labels was they called me the prophet of doom. And one of the reasons they called me because the nation of Israel was in apostasy. And little did I know at that time that I was one of the last prophets that would speak to the nation of Israel because during my lifetime, God would destroy, send the Babylonians in and have his people wiped out because of disobedience because of following after other gods and and so I had this tag put on me the, the, the prophet when people saw me call here comes this prophet of doom we don't we don't want to hear what he has to say and then the other title that I got put on me was the weeping prophet and the reason that I was called the weeping prophet because I saw the love of God and I saw how much God loved his people. And then I saw their hard-heartedness. And I saw their rebellion. 
And when I looked at the love of God and the hardness of his people, it just brought tears to my eyes. And so I became known as the weeping prophet. There was an occasion when I went back to my hometown, Anathoth, which was a little bit north of Jerusalem. And as I was there, I, I heard about a, a plot to take my life. There were some men who were conspiring to kill me. They, they got tired of the message that I was preaching. They didn't want to hear what I had to say anymore. And so they began this, this, this underground movement to take my life. And I thought to myself, I need to go tell God about this. You know, I'm frustrated. I'm out here trying to serve God. I'm out here trying to do his will. And can you believe that there's actually people now that want to take my life? And so I, I went to God. <laughs> And I began to complain to him about it. And the first thing I said to God, I said, God, why is it that wicked people prosper? You know, here I am. You told me you called me while I was in the womb. You told me you anointed me. You told me you wanted me to serve you. You appointed me to this task. Why is it that I'm the one having the difficulties? And here are these wicked individuals. Their families are healthy. Their kids have the latest things that young people play with. They have prosperity. And here I am suffering and running because people are trying to take my life. Silence. I didn't hear anything from God. So that even frustrated me more. And I thought that, well, let me, let me come at this from another way. So I asked God, God, how long are you going to let this go on? When are you going to do something about it? And finally, God shows up, and he tells me, I'm, I'm expecting, finally, when he gets here, that he's going to reach down with his hand of mercy and touch me and encourage me. It almost picked me up like a, like a mother would pick up a little baby and, and just take me to his, his chest and just kind of pat me on the back and rub my head and just comfort me, you know? But... Boy, was I in for a rude awakening. God said to me, Jeremiah, if you have run with the men on foot and they have worn you out, what are you going to do when the horses come? And if in the land of safety, where there is paved streets, where there are people who out, are out there to make sure that the, the roads are safe, if, you be, if you're worn out, if you're weary about walking in that type of environment, what are you going to do in the swelling of the Jordan where there are thickets and there's brush and there are robbers and there are lions and all type of things out there? You're complaining here in the land of safety, but what are you going to do when you head to this difficult place? Uh, God opened my eyes that day and I learned a couple lessons and those lessons that I learned, I'm going to turn it over to my good friend, Pastor Glaze, and let him tell you those lessons today. As we think about Jeremiah, Jeremiah was one that came to God, and he complained to God. And, and God told Jeremiah, he said, if you have been worn out by the men on foot, what are you going to do? When the horses come. 
When we think about these men on foot, and this is kind of the title to my message today, that weariness will weaken the courage to resist. When you think about, and I remember watching this game when the Steelers were playing a couple years ago, and uh, Adrian Peterson ran over one, I'm not going to mention his name, but he ran over one of the defensive backs for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you know, a lot of us are just like the Steeler on the ground. When problems come our way, when temptations come our way, when difficulty, the difficulties of life come our way, that we are so weary. Jeremiah was so weary that when they came, they just ran him over. And I venture to say that there are probably some people that are sitting here today that you've gotten tired. You've gotten tired of being a Christian. You've gotten tired of being a mother. You've gotten tired of being a father. You've gotten tired of being a student. You've gotten tired of laboring in the vineyard. And now life just seems to run you over. And as we look at the life of Jeremiah, Jeremiah got weary and life ran him over. And what God was trying to let Jeremiah know, that Jeremiah, if you can't handle the little things in life, then how in the world are you going to handle the big things? When I think about Jeremiah, Jeremiah was designed by God to live a transformed life. He was designed by God to live a transformed life. Yet and still, he got weary. As I think about the life of Jeremiah, I, I, I wrote some things down to talk about his transformation. We see here that in chapter 1, verse 5, Jeremiah was formed by God in his mother's womb. We see in uh, chapter 1, verse 5, that God knew him before he was born. That, that, that God... A new Jeremiah and was in this relationship with Jeremiah before he was born. In chapter 1, verse 5, God was sanctioned. I mean, Jeremiah was sanctioned by God. In chapter 1, verse 5, God, uh, Jeremiah was ordained by God. In chapter 1, verse 7, Jeremiah was directed by God. Can you imagine to be directed by God every step of the way that you're supposed to go. And not only did God direct him, but in chapter 1, verse 8, God said, I will be with you. He was accompanied by God. In chapter 1, verse 9, he was touched by God. And in chapter 1, verse 10, he was appointed by God. Jeremiah was designed for transformation. The courage to resist that God gave him everything that he needed to resist. Unless we think that we're any less than Jeremiah, let me remind you that God has given you everything that you need to have the courage to resist. God has given you everything you need to live the transformed life. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 19 and 20, the same power that brought Jesus from the dead. Now can you imagine that? The same power. Do, do, do you know what? The Bible says that the Father rose the Son. It says the Spirit rose the Son. And it says that the Son rose himself. 
that when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it took, the, it took an act of the Trinity to raise him from the dead. Here you have a dead body without any life, and it comes back to life again. Paul said the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is in us. Wow. Is in us. When I think about this salvation that we have, this is a great salvation, right? I mean, it's, this salvation is great. When I think about it, God thought it. The Son brought it. The Holy Spirit taught it. The dying thief caught it. The rich man sought it. Satan fought it. And praise God, I got it. Thank God for this great salvation that we have. That God has given us what we need to be victorious in life. He gave us the right salvation. He gave us the right script. What is the script? The script is the word of God. God has given his, his word to live by. The Bible must have been inspired of God and not of men. I would not if I could believe a good man wrote it to deceive. And a bad man would not if he could proceed to write a book so good. So it must be that God inspired words that souls of prophets fired. You got the right salvation, you got the right script, and we got the right spirit. We have the Holy Spirit of God, that the Holy Spirit of God comes and takes up residence within us. We've been designed for transformation. <laughs> so, so why is it that we, like Jeremiah, why do we get weary? You know, why do we allow the, the little things to weary us? You know, I get frustrated and I have to sometimes go to the Lord and ask for, for strength because I get weary by some things. I get weary when I go to the grocery store and I stand in line and it's my turn in line and the, uh, uh, the person ringing up, the, the people changes the, the, the tape measure. Uh, you know, that frustrates me. You know, why, why, why do you wait till I get there to do that? I get frustrated when I go to the bank and I try to see which line is moving faster. And then I wait and try to strategically pick a lane to go in, fast and pray. And then I make a commitment. And then when I get in the lane, the person in front of me keeps sending their tube back. In it, and I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, these little things just, just wear me out. You know, one of the things that just, one of these little footmen that I run against, that, that, that just wears me out is whenever I, I'm looking to purchase something, and I search high and low for the thing, and I'm looking for the best price, and I go and purchase it. And then I go home, and my wife says, you know, you could have found that cheaper at so-and-so. You know. You know, the, the, these foot soldiers in life, you know, they, 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 they run us down. They, they make us weary. I think of the Apostle Paul. Paul was an individual that learned how to deal with the, the foot soldiers of life. They said, Paul, we're going to let you live. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. They said, well, we're going to kill you. He said, that's cool too, because for me to die is gain. They said, well, we're going to make you suffer. He said, well, I reckon that the sufferings of this world is not to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed to me when I get to heaven. You couldn't let him live. You couldn't kill him. You couldn't make him suffer. Paul was somebody that learned how to deal with the foot soldiers of life. 
And so I believe the three lessons that God was trying to teach Jeremiah, the first one is this, is what I call the principle of failure. And the principle of failure basically says this, that failure to run with the footman <laughs> makes it impossible to run with the horses. That if you are struggling to run with the footman, you don't have a chance against the horses. There's a universal law which states, failure in that which is least brings with it automatic failure in that which is most. This lesson was brought home to me as, as my kids were growing up. When I used to pastor, uh, before I came to Pittsburgh, I pastored out in the country, little country church. And we kind of lived a simple life. We didn't have a whole lot of resources, so our life was pretty simple at that time. And then God calls me to Pittsburgh, and we come to pastor a church in inner city Pittsburgh. And as we came, there were children that had designer clothes, uh, name brand tennis shoes. And so they saw my kids with these no-name, no-brands, thrift store clothes, and they started making fun of them. And, and as I began to deal with my kids, I have two boys and two girls. Uh, my two sons, you know, they, they, they were devastated by this. And, you know, my one son, uh, he, he, he's kind of sensitive. And so he was, you know, really hurt behind it. He was ready to cry. And my other son, you know, he was a little more rambunctious. And he said, come on, man, let's go beat him up. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, I was thinking to myself, man, you know, you can't. You can't cry and you can't go beat people up, you know. So, you know, you, you got to learn how to deal with these foot soldiers. And so I began to tell them, I said, you know what? In life, you know, people are going to say worse things about you than your tennis shoes. They're going to call you everything but a child of God. And you got to learn how to deal with that. And if you don't hurt, learn how to deal with it when it's uh, in the infant stage, then as it grows, you know, you're not going to be able to handle the big things. And venture to say that I know that in their lifetime, they've had, they've had a lot worse things happen to them than people talk about their tennis shoes. And then when I got finished talking to them, I put this song on. And the song goes like this. There's always somebody talking about me. Really, I don't mind. They try to stop and block my progress most of the time. The mean things you say, they don't make me feel bad because I can't mess a friend that I never had. I've got Jesus and that's enough. And so you got to learn how to deal with these little foot soldiers in life. And even as you think about what Christ said, Christ said that if, you, if you've been faithful in little things, that you'll be able to rule over many things. Now, I know that he was talking about something else, but I think the principle is, is there too. The principle is, is that if you can handle little things, that when it comes to bigger issues, that you'll be able to handle them. When you think about failure, this principle of failure, you know, there's, there's two things that failure indicates in our lives. The first thing that it indicates is that where we are. I mean, you know, you, you guys are in a, a series, The Transform Life, The Courage to Resist. That's what we're talking about today. So if you look at this meter right here, The Courage to Resist, that this is the low end and this is the high end of The Courage to Resist. And if you're getting worn out by footmen, then you can write it down that you're on this low end of the meter. And when it comes down to the high end, 
that, you know, you might say, well, I, I can handle that. Well, it's a good indication if you're failing in the little things, then the chances are that you're not going to be able to handle the big things. Martin Luther King said this. He said the greatest measure of a man is not where, they, where he stands in times of comfort and convenience, but where he st stands in the time of challenge and controversy, because that lets you know where you're at. So do you think, you know, maybe many of you haven't had that, uh, been put in that position where you've had to resist, where you've had to muster up the courage to resist, and you don't know how you're going to fare. Well, if you've been failing against the little things, you know, it's a good indication as to how you're going to fare. The second thing we need to see from failure that it indicates is that it indicates what's in us. Failure lets you know what's in you. It lets you know what you are made out of. I think of a, a sponge. If you take a sponge and you dip it in water and you squeeze it, water will come out. If you take that same sponge and you dip it in orange juice and you squeeze it, orange juice will come out. If you take a Christian and you dip them in worldliness, you dip them in lying, you dip them in gossip, you dip them in the things that are not of God, and when the pressures of life come and you begin to squeeze that individual, bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, guilt, all those things are going to come out. But if you take the child of God and you dip him in Bible study, you dip him in prayer, you dip him in fellowship with the saints, you dip him in worship, you dip him in the things of God, and you begin to squeeze the child of God, guess what comes out? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. See, when you are squeezed, whatever, whatever's in you is going to come out. And so God was trying to teach Jeremiah on that day the principle of failure. And that is, Jeremiah, if you fail to run with the footmen, it's almost impossible that you'll be able to run with the horses. And that you need to realize where you are, you know, if, if you don't learn anything else from this, Jeremiah, you need to realize where you're at on this meter. And the second thing you need to realize is what's in you, the principle of failure. The second principle that God was trying to teach Jeremiah is what I call the principle of endurance. The principle of endurance. And that basically says this, in preparation for the horses, endurance is needed in the race with the footmen. I don't know about you, but can you hear him? Very faint. Can you hear him? They're on the way. The horses are coming. You're going to get a call one day. And something devastating has happened. You're going to go to the doctor and receive a report that is not in your favor. You're going to be in a relationship that's going to crush you. You're going to have somebody break your heart that you totally unexpected. Can you hear him? I'd like to stand here and guarantee everybody a carefree life, a good life, a peaceful life, but I can hear him. They're on the way. The horses are on the way. And the fact that they are we need to endure with the foot soldiers. 
We need to build up our endurance. That God brings these little things into our life to build up our endurance. And as we build up our endurance, we are in preparation. We are in training to run with the horses. In Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 36, the writer says this, you have need of patience. The word patience is a very interesting word. It comes from the Greek word, hupomanes. Hupa means under, minnow, to abide. And you know what it means? To abide underneath. The writer said, you need the ability to abide underneath. Underneath what? Whatever load is being placed on your back. Whatever resistance is coming against you. That you need endurance. That you need endurance to be able to stay in the race. You know, people tell me all the time, well, I'm, I'm out here trying to win the race. Not. God never called you to win the race. God called you to stay in the race. That's the only thing he said. 1 Corinthians 15. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who gives us the victory. The victory's already won. God has already won the victory. You don't have to run it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, all you got to do is stay in the race and take down the prize when you get there. That's all you have to do. So what do we need to stay in this race? We need endurance. Jeremiah had everything he needed to be victorious, but he got weary. And God says, brother, you need to endure. You need to find a way to hang in there. And when I think about endurance, what does that mean? I, I, I want to explain endurance in three ways so that you understand what it means to endure. Very simple, three points. Not giving up, not giving in, and not giving out. That's what endurance is. Endurance means that you don't give up, that you don't give in, and that you don't give out. You don't, first of all, give up. That means you don't quit. God called you to stay in this race. And that when opposition comes, he has already given you the courage to resist. And so all you have to do is walk in that courage and not give up. There was a sales manager. He got up and he was trying to motivate his, his salespeople. And he said, did Michael Jordan ever quit? And they said, no. He said, did Emmett Smith ever quit? And they said, no. He said, did Peyton Manning ever quit? They said, no. He said, did Thorndike McKeister ever quit? And they said, well, we never heard of him. That's because he quit. <laughs> and if you quit, nobody will hear of you. If you quit, don't give up. I heard a poem about two frogs. It says, two frogs fell in a can of cream, or so I've hold it told. The size of the can was shiny and steep. The cream was deep and cold. Oh, what's the use, croak number one? Tis fate, no helps around. Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye, sad world. And weeping still he drowned. But number two of sterner stuff, dog paddled in surprise. Then while he wiped his creamy face and dried his creamy eyes, I'll swim a while. At least he said, or so it has been said. 
it really wouldn't help the world if one more frog was dead. An hour or two he kicked and swam, and not once did he stop to mutter, but kicked and swam and swam and kicked and hopped out via butter. Don't quit. Don't quit. Find a way to hang in there. Find a way to win. You know, I used to coach college football. And you know what we used to tell the guys? Winners find a way to win. If you're a winner, you will find a way to win. And so endurance means not giving up. The second thing we see that endurance means is that it means not giving in. That when the pressures of life are put on you, that whenever all these obstacles are put in your way, that they don't cause you to cave. They don't cause you to give in. But you find a way to, to, to stand up underneath the load. I heard the story about this farmer who had a, uh, a mule. And he loved this mule. And he took this mule with him everywhere he went. And one day he had to go take care of some business and he couldn't take the mule with him. So he tied the mule up in the back of the house. And while he was gone, the mule tied, uh, uh, ate through the rope, wandered off and fell down in a well. And the farmer came back and looked everywhere, didn't see the mule. Finally he heard a noise over in the well. He went and looked down in the well and there was his mule. He did everything he could to try to get that mule out of there to no avail. Heartbroken. He said that he didn't die right, but I can give him a good burial. And so he began to shovel dirt and put it down in the well. Well, at the time, the mule was still breathing, and when the mule felt this dirt start to hit him, he started to panic. And he, he you know, just went into kind of like a frenzy. And then all of a sudden, the mule did something strange, stood up and started shaking the dirt off of his back and patting it under his feet. And there were times when the farmer threw dirt and the dirt was very painful. There was times he threw dirt and the dirt hit the mule right in the eyes and his eyes were stinging. There were times that he threw dirt that had some rocks in it and it like shockwaves went through the mule's body. But he found a way to keep shaking the dirt off and patting it underneath his feet. And eventually, he got high enough where he was able to step out of the well and walk on. And God sometimes allows the problems of life to be like dirt on our back. That evil, wickedness, the forces of darkness, they all mean it to bury us. That these things come against us to bury us. But we need to learn how to shake it off of our back and pat it under our feet and keep going a little bit higher. Somebody said that as the mule was shaking the dirt off his back, they heard him sing, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Lord, help me as I'm bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. So we need to learn how to shake the dirt off of our back and let it be under our feet and build us up so that we can rise above our problems. Don't give up, don't give in, and don't give out. God told Jeremiah, if, the, if, if, if running 
with the footmen have exhausted you. What does it mean to be exhausted? It means to, to give out. That you give out. You don't have anything left. That every, every resource that you had within you, that you have used it, you have spent it, and you're just given out. Worn out by family. You know, there are some people, you know, when, you, when your phone rings, you look at the caller ID to see who it is. Because you know that this is somebody that's, man, this person going to wear me out. They're just going to take everything I've got. You know, just wear you out. And, and, and life has a tendency sometimes to just wear us out. But if we've got endurance, that we don't wear out. And that's what God was trying to tell Jeremiah. Jeremiah, don't wear out. Paul says in uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, be not weary in well-doing. Be not exhausted in well-doing. Be not worn out in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. You got to learn how to endure. The footmen, that's just half the battle. And it's a small half. There are horses on the way. How can you get in shape to run with the horses? Don't give up, don't give in, and don't give out. And then the last thing that I think Jeremiah had to learn that God was teaching him is what I call the principle of evaluation. And the principle of evaluation basically says this. Failure to run with the footman must be evaluated. You got to stop and ask yourself the question, why did I have such a hard time with these foot soldiers? Why did I struggle with this? You know, what's going on in my life that's causing me to struggle with these little things? You know, it's unbelievable, you know, that that, that I'm struggling with the things that I'm struggling with. I I should be a lot further along in life. But here I am dealing with this, these little things that I can't seem to overcome. I can't seem to get past. You know, why is it? You got to evaluate why you were struggling with the little things in order to implement strategies for running with the horses. That you got to go back and, and, and find out where you went wrong because the horses are on the way. You know, any of us that have lived long enough, we know that the horses are on the way. I had a horse hit me couple years ago where I started getting these infections in my leg and nobody I went to nine doctors and nobody could tell me what was wrong I had nine surgeries on my leg nine cuts I got tired I got worn out I got weary of dealing with uh, medicine with IVs I had MRIs I had CTs I had x-rays I had everything I never knew that that horse was around the corner And I had to run with that horse. Man, did I have to run with that horse. And so you don't know where and when the horses are coming. But they're coming. And so you've got to find out why you failed to run with the footmen. And then you've got to begin to put a new strategy together. You know, you've got to come and say, look, God, God comes and he says, how'd that plan work for you? They're <laughs> not too good. But we need to come up with another one. Don't, don't we, God, don't we need to come up with another one? We need to come up with another plan so that we can run with these foot soldiers and be able to run with the horses. As we talk about evaluation, 
I believe that there are two things involved in this. The first one is an examination. And that is, you have to fall on your face before the Lord and ask God to show you. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they ran in the, for, in the wilderness 40 years with horses. They ran across the Jordan River with horses. They came to the city of Jericho and faced the horses. And then they came up against this real little town called Ai, foot soldiers, a little foot soldier town. And they got beat by a foot soldier town. They had run with all these horses and now they got beat by some foot soldiers. And so Joshua, the Bible says that he fell on his face, he tore his clothes and he cried out to God. And he asked God, why? Show me Lord. Why we lost? Why we failed? And, and, and if you're struggling with these little things, somewhere you need to get along with God. You need to set aside some time. And you need to fall on your face before God and ask him, why? Why is it, God, that I have such a difficult time running with these little things? Why is it that it seems like they beat me up day after day after day? Why is it that when I'm trying to do good, evil is always present and I give in to evil? Why is it that when I fall into tempt, when, when temptation comes my way, I fall into it? Why is that, God? Show me, God. And I guarantee you that if you come to God with that energy and with that heart, God will show you every time. So once we do that examination, then we get a revelation. And what is the revelation? God shows us not only where we fail, but he'll show us what we have to do to get back in the race. What we have to do to continue to run this race strong. I remember I bought a shed one time and it was a, a metal shed. And this, this shed had like six million screws. And I, I took a couple of days off from my job uh, in order to put this shed together. And it took me three days to get this shed up. And just out there, you know, screwing these screws in, in the hot sun. It was, it was, it was grueling. And as I just about came to the completion of the shed, I, I found out that there was a couple pieces missing. I said, oh man, I went through all this work and these, they didn't even put all the parts in the box. So I got my instructions and I saw an 800 number and I went and called the 800 number and the lady came on the phone and I told her what my dilemma was and she said, well, sir, we've never had that happen before. I said, well, it's happened to me and I'm, I'm dealing with it. And she says, well, sir, the only thing I can tell you is to put it back in the box and bring it back and we'll, <laughs> and we'll give you another one. And I said, man, you must be crazy. You know, there's no way, no way in the world I'm going to do that. And so I went back out there and I just kind of sat there for a minute, disgusted and dejected. Then something came over me and said, look, just go back and read through the directions real carefully. So I went back and read through and what I found out was that because you bought the frame separately, I bought a, a frame and the frame could fit a eight foot shed or a 10 foot shed all depending on how you laid it out. Well, I had bought an eight-foot shed, but I laid the frame out for a 10-foot shed. So when I read the, the instructions, I saw what I did, I made the adjustment, and I 
closed it down, and it fit perfectly. Sometimes we have to do that. When we, when we fail, when our sheds of life seems like there's some parts missing, that we need to go before the Lord. And God will show us every time what it is that we have to do. And I think that if Jeremiah could have got with Isaiah, Isaiah might have gave Jeremiah some advice. He might have said, have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, that he neither faints, neither grows weary, and his ways are past understanding. Even the young men shall grow faint and tired, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. Let me, let me say that again. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall run and not grow weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Oh, if Jeremiah could have just got with Isaiah and heard those words, that maybe that might have been the cure at that time for his weariness. Isaiah 40, 31, they that wait upon the Lord. That word wait is a very interesting Hebrew word. You know what it means? It means to take strands and bind them together. So when we wait on the Lord, the longer we wait on the Lord, God gives us a strand. He takes one of our strands and he wraps around it. We wait on God a little bit more. He gives us another strand. We take one of our strands and wrap around it. We wait on God. He gives us another strand and we give him our strand. And then he begins to wrap and he becomes so woven and intertwined in our life that when we run against these footmen, we have the strength to be able to stay in the race. We have the strength to be able to endure. Did Jeremiah learn that lesson? Yes, he did. In 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army came into Jerusalem and wiped it out. Completely wiped out the city. Knocked down the temple, tore down the walls, took the young guys off to captivity, and left Jeremiah there with all the people who were devastated. And Jeremiah sits and looks at the devastation of the city. And there, Jeremiah says, it's because of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. His compassions, they fail not. They are new every day. Great is thy faithfulness. So Jeremiah not only learned how to run with the footmen, but when the horses came, he was able to run with the horses. As I close the message today, I was taken by a letter that was written by a pastor in Africa. And as I read this letter, it seems like here was an individual that had a transformed life and he had the courage to resist. He says here that I am a member of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. 
The decision has been made. I will not look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. My past is redeemed, my present is exciting, and my future is secure. I will no longer abide in low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame vision, dwarf goals, or cheap grace. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I do not have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live in him, lean on him, love through him, and labor with him. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions dear, my God is reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, delayed. I will not finch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I will not give up, back up, let up, or shut up until I have preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I must go until he returns, give until he drops, preach until all know, and when he comes, he will know who I am. And he will have no problem recognizing me because I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. What a powerful testimony of a transformed life. What a powerful testimony of the courage to resist. And I want to challenge us today. Do you have the courage to resist? That when you are dealing with your peers and they are pressuring you to do things that are not pleasing to the Lord, when you are facing adversities in life, is it easy for you just to throw up your hands and give in? This morning we've been talking about the courage to resist. That Jeremiah let the little things wear him out and they wore down his resistance they wore down his courage. Vince Lombardi, one of the great, greatest football coaches that ever lived, said this, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. When we get tired, when we get weary, we just throw our hands up. And I just want to tell you this. You read the scripture earlier about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how that when it came time to the fiery furnace, and it and came time to bowing and worshiping the idol, and they didn't do it. You know why they didn't do it? Because if you go back and read Daniel chapter 1, that they purposed that they were not going to give in to the little things, and that when the king said, everybody has to eat my meat, the scripture says that they would not defile themselves with the portion of the king's meat. So the reason they could stand in Daniel 3 against the horses was because they stood against the footmen in Daniel 1. And so maybe you're having a difficult time standing against these little horses in your life. As I pray this morning, I'm going to offer a prayer for you and ask God to give you the strength that you would need to run with the footmen in preparation for the horses that are on the way. Father, we come to you today. And Lord, I thank you for the saints of God that are here. And Lord, you know the hearts of each and every person. Lord, you know that there's somebody here that's struggling, Lord, with these little footmen. Lord, the footmen in their family have worn them out. The footmen on their job have worn them out. 
The footmen at their school have worn them out. The footmen in their neighborhood have worn them out. And Lord, maybe they have done some things of their own accord that they have just caused themselves to be worn out. Father, help them to realize that you stand ready to strengthen them. And that if they will just wait on you, come into your presence and receive the strength, Lord, that you desire for them to have. Lord, that you will help them through these difficult times so that they will have the courage to resist. And Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.